it, it would it would mean the world to me to play on the Ryder Cup team. I think I would, you know, I think I would do very well. But I'm not I'm not thinking about that at all. Happy weekend, ladies and gentlemen. It is Saturday, and it is the 151st Open Championship at Royal Liverpool. We're getting down to the tickly bit of the tournament, as they would say. Alex Ferguson had an expression for that, squeaky bum time. I don't think we've quite reached that point yet, but it is most certainly in the offing. So hello from Hoylake. It's the latest open commute in association with Callaway Golf, brought to you by Bunkard. I'm Michael McEwen, and I am sitting right now in the media centre, in the actually in the bowels of the media centre, in some place I've never been before, one of the offices behind the main desk. I feel like I'm about to get called in by the school headmaster for a proper ticking off, which in this instance would be Martin Slumbers, but let's hope that doesn't happen. Alex Perry, I'm not going to call you a guest today, I'm just going to call you my colleague. <laughs> How are you doing? Finally. At last. It's but- only taken all week. Sounded like you were sort of relaying some sort of weird fantasy there. You were the slumbers and in the bowels of the beast. The heart wants what the heart wants. Wow. How has your Friday been, Alex? My Friday's been very good. I went out in the sunshine and observed golf fans. We talked about it on this podcast the other day. Golf fans are the weirdest people on the planet. <laughs> Unquestionably. And, and golf fans at the Open are an even rarer breed so I came back in and I wanted to write about it and then I got really hungry. So therefore I got quite ranty when I was writing about it. The hanger struck. And then I went and had some food and then I came back and had to soften it a little bit. And now it's live on bunker.co.uk. Go and read it. Enjoy it. I wish I'd seen the unedited version. Start your Saturday with a little slice of my rantiness. Alex Perry raw. That's my favourite kind of oh. Alex Perry. Another fantasy. <laughs> Anyway, let's move across the table, (laughs) shall we, and welcome our guest and a regular fixture on the Bunkered podcast he has become. It is the one, the only, the returning Sean Zach. Hello, my friend. How are you? I'm going to be far more PG than what you guys have been thus far this evening, but I'm doing well. Uh, I I didn't get nearly as much sunshine as you did, which which makes me sad, Um, but it was a, a gorgeous day, a proper Lynx day, as they say, right? Yes, I would say so. Well, ish. Not a huge amount of wind. We could probably done with a few squalls to make it a, a real lynx. Do you know what a squall is? Yes, I do. Excellent. <laughs> I forgot you spent a summer in St Andrews, you know, fay with the lingo. And you've been spending all summer this year in this neck of the woods, England's Gulf Coast. Yes. One word. Why? The truth is to make good on a sales sponsorship that our sales team has sold. Um, but making a bunch of content about of golf course. in England. Uh, and it began here just a few days after the US Open. I red-eyed to Chicago and then I red-eyed to Manchester and I got on a one-hour Uber and I was here at Hoylake uh, to play a round that kind of don't even recall. It was such a fog I was in. But that was five weeks ago and now we're back here. And uh, it, it's kind of surreal. I, I, I went to play little pitch and putt courses. I played some of the best courses in the world. I was down in London, went to Wimbledon, up at the Scottish Open at Renaissance, and uh, it's been a very circuitous month. And 
not quite the same as 13 weeks in St. Andrews, but different in, in great ways as well. Glad to hear it. And you're writing a book, or you've been writing a book, rather, about your experience in St. Andrews last year. Where are we with that? Is it, is it just about done? Yeah, I mean, it's basically... The puff of the it's been out of, a bit revealing. Well, it's been out of my hands for about two months now um, with an editor. And so I, I feel like it will be in my hands for the month of August, and then finally out of my hands once more and be published in March. Um, there will be, obviously opportunities to promote the hell out of it in the advance of, of March. But um, yeah, I feel good about it. I, it's funny, like getting back over to the UK a year after I was in St. Andrews kind of churned up a lot of the, the same memories that I felt and was trying to tap into when I wrote it, um, you know, in the depths of winter in Chicago. So it, it's been a really good summer in that sense, kind of tapping back into why this is the, the best place in the world for golf. What is it about this country, as in Britain, the UK, that you love so much? Well, I think it's because, of course, there's the more cliche aspects of the history of the game. This is where it was born, but it just makes so much sense. Like, if you are looking for a challenging game to play your entire life, you can see it everywhere here. You, you have grandchildren playing it with their grandfathers, but it's also, like, challenging in the sense of, it asks so many different questions than Chicago golf asks. I mean, guys, you should see what it's like to play golf on soggy turf along Lake Michigan in April. The ball doesn't move when it hits the ground. I mean, <laughs> I know that that seems super foreign and maybe it should be to you guys, but it's just a question that is easy to answer. And every question that golf courses ask you over here is difficult inherently to answer. I mean, Gary Woodland said it last week. He's like, golf over here just asks way 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 more questions so that is obviously part of it i feel like i've been treated like i've been treated incredibly well and maybe it's because i have american written across my forehead and my my <laughs> voice kind of precedes me but everyone here seems super generous with their golf and a lot of the private golf in the states is kept behind gates mm. and it's kept uh behind price points that a lot of people cannot afford and so everything over here just feels affordable, accessible. And so I don't know if I have another summer in me in 2024. <laughs> Wheels is calling. I know, exactly. Or, or, you know, Glasgow near you and Troon's neck of the woods. Yes, but, true. Um, it, you know, if, if you ask me again in February, I'll probably be dying to get back <laughs> over here. That's kind of how it goes. Well, let's turn our attention to the Open Championship then. So as it stands at halfway we have a bit of a one-horse race going on. Now, much can happen. Like I say, it's halfway, and there's a, a bit of weather coming in over the weekend. We're expecting higher winds, lots and lots of rain. It's going to be a much different test than it's been the first couple of days. But Brian Harmon will go to bed Friday night, will wake up Saturday morning, and he'll be feeling pretty good about life. 10 under par for the tournament and he has a five shot lead over local hero Tommy Fleetwood bidding to win his first major. Before we get into who is Brian Harmon and what do we need to know about him and I'm looking at you, Sean. <laughs> the American. Alex has prepared a little quiz. Is that right? I don't want to say I've prepared a little quiz. I just asked this question to the team earlier and I thought it would be fun to ask you. Tell me the four players, the four left-handers to have won major championships. Majors, period. Yeah. All right, well, okay. They're so all, sorry, men's they're all men. Majors. They're yeah. all men. <laughs> uh, Phil Mickelson. Sure. Bubba Watson. Sure. 
Mike Weir. What? Now we're down to the nitty gritty. It's got to be an older guy, like mm-hmm. like way back when. Um, Not American. Is or it, European. Or European. So he's an Aussie. Close. <laughs> Gosh, Close. I'm I'm struggling. I'm sorry. Sorry. Three out of four. That's seventy-five percent. That's a pass mark. <laughs> it's more than most people have got. Yeah. It was Bob Charles. 1963 or four? Oof. Three. Sir Bob Charles. Sir Bob Charles. Yes. yes. So Brian Harmon bidding to become number five. What do we need to know about him, Sean? Because a lot of people listening to this won't know anything yeah. about Brian Harmon. He's not super popular across the Atlantic. Uh, he, His nickname or how people refer to him is often, they call him a bulldog, which... It kind of suits two purposes. First, he went to the University of Georgia. Their mascot is the Bulldogs. But secondly, he just gets that moniker because he's tiny, right? He's five foot nine, but he's scrappy. He Be makes- easy with the tiny at five foot nine. <laughs> Chat, Mr. Zach. Well, I think five foot nine, frankly, for him also might be generous. Like he, he's he's not. I don't know if he he's quite actually there. But anyways, regardless, he is a tinier dude and uh, doesn't hit it a long way and makes a lot of scrappy pars and grinds his way around and kind of goes about his business without saying a whole lot. And um, he's played well in majors. He's played well at U.S. Opens when it's firm, it's fast. Maybe the wind is up, maybe it's not, but he's, he's always kind of been a gritty player. And I think that's why people call him, you know, refer to him as a bit of a bulldog. Uh, he, you know, he, he's played well in Walker Cups and in match play, and I know he's always been considered as a President's Cup potential captain's pick or Ryder Cup potential captain's pick. Always so on the periphery. That's always, name. and he, mm. he mentioned that today. He was asked, like, are you thinking about the Ryder Cup? He said no, but it always seems like I get down to the end and I'm right in that 13 to 18 range. A win this week would, would guarantee his spot just about. But, yeah, that's kind of who he is. He is a gritty hard-nosed, quiet, do my work, uh, I'm going to let my game speak for itself. And, you know, the visual nature of his game is not like Rory McIlroy. No. It's, his ball flight is lower. It's going to be on the ground. He's going to he's gonna need to roll a lot of putts like he has done today. And this week, I believe he's first in strokes gained putting. Uh, so he's got that working for him right strokes now. Strokes gained total, he's plus 14.75. Alex, you were telling me before we pressed record, that Tiger Woods, you saw a tweet, was it from Kyle Porter, who again has been on this pod in the past, that Tiger, when he won, was it the US Open by 15, was plus seven. I think, did you see the tweet? I think it was if, I think it was when Tiger won it by 15, he was 7.4 strokes gained over the field for the all four rounds, each of the rounds. Wow. And Brian Harmon is 7.3. <laughs> go, and check those n- go and check those numbers, but it is a, it's, lu- it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. So, he's, he, so essentially he's following Tiger's footsteps. Yeah, and why not? Do you think he... You said there that he's perhaps not that popular over here. Do you think that's because... I, Which I don't necessarily agree with, by the way. Do you think that's because he's... And I don't... I really mean this in the best possible way. He's a bit boring. Yeah, he certainly hasn't... I can't think of a time in which he's given a quote that was spicy or really weighed in on any of the topics that have dominated the world in the last 18 months. Uh, he's never been a Ryder Cupper. 
right? So he's never played and competed against any of the uh, the European teams. He's only won two times on the PGA Tour, and I say only because it's been he's he's been a top fifty golfer for a very long time. He has, uh, I believe, the most top ten finishes in the last five years for anyone who hasn't won. Oddly enough, the second person on that list is Tommy Fleetwood for most top ten finishes last five years to have not won. So it's been a long time for him to really like ascend again. So when I say not popular, it's not that he is anti-popular. It's just that he's just not known that well. And that could all change in a flash this week. But he's also kind of worked himself into becoming a, a Lynx golfer, right? He, he's missed the cut in a number of opens. And he's, he says he really loves Lynx golf, but it took him a while to really understand how to actually score mm. Lynx golf, which is kind of an American odyssey for everybody. I certainly have <laughs> felt it myself. It's like, you do some really dumb things as an American golfer when you first come over here and play this style of golf. So is this like the crescendo of his skill set matching his love for Lynx golf? Is it a red hot 36 holes? I would lean towards the latter, but... I mean, like you said, he's doing a Tiger Woods-esque performance through 36 holes. That's worth something. Alex, Tommy Fleetwood, the nearest challenger, the local favorite. Level par round for him today, so he remains five under, five shots back. What did you make of Tommy's performance? Were you expecting maybe a little bit more from him? Yeah, I, th I think the one thing I noticed is that he seems to have a bit more fire today. We uh, we constantly accuse Fleetwood of being too nice, and we think that's the reason why he's not going to get over the line in a major. We just think oh, he's, he's going to get to he's going to be in the in the mix until Sunday, and then once it actually comes down to it, his niceness comes through, and he just fades away, and everyone goes, "Oh, Tommy, well done, mate. You tried." Like almost patronising. But there was a few shots today where I really sort of started to see a bit of fire coming out of him. There was some fist pumps coming mm. out. I mean, this guy, if you're fist pumping midway through your second round, you know you're up for it. And I mean, when Sean came over to us before we came in to record, and I said, oh, it's a bit boring, isn't it? Brian running away with it. And he said, no, Tommy's going to win. <laughs> He's more confident than I am. So do you stand by that, Sean? Do you still think Tommy's going to win? I, I do only because, I mean, Harmon's built up this lead that probably won't be at the same number well maybe it will be when he tees off but he has to wait a long time yeah. tomorrow morning and he's gonna probably have to wait a long time sunday morning into sunday afternoon and time just it just wears on you he said today he has a hard time like he's a very anxious mind and he has he struggles to wait and look I, I, I deal with the same type of soft disbelief with Tommy that you guys maybe do because I certainly pull for him. I really like him a lot. Of course, he's an Everton football fan. Like oh, myself. I knew that was coming I knew, knew it was coming, but um, <laughs> he's a fantastic ball striker, one of the best in the world, and that just has to, it has to be important. In the rain, in the wind, at a firm and fast golf course, Brian Harmon's pretty good ball striker, but he's not a Tommy Fleetwood ball striker. So... All the stars are aligning of sorts. And like you said, he was fist pumping today. Today felt different than yesterday. You have to take this thing 18 holes at a time, these little chunks. You know, signing for 71 was really important for Fleetwood today, not backing up. And yeah. you, say, you say that Harmon's learning how to play Lynx golf. It's one thing doing it in not that much wind and sunshine that we've had for the last couple of days. The forecast for the weekend looks really bad. <laughs> so there is a whole new test. We're all going to be camped out under this roof, so it's fine. Thank heavens for media centers. 
More to come on today's Open Commute with me, Alex and Sean, right after this. All golfers can agree, hitting it far feels great. But does it feel great? A first in forging has created irons that have never felt better. Paradigm was precisely constructed with the first ever AI-designed forged 455 face cup and an all-new speed frame to enhance speed and feel, earning 15 out of 15 stars from the Golf Digest hot list. This is the new paradigm in performance from Callaway. Welcome back to Open Commute in association with Callaway Golf and brought to you by Bunkard. Michael McEwen, Alex Perry and Sean Zach are here at Royal Liverpool. You'll be listening to this on Saturday morning as the third round will be hopefully getting underway, weather permitting. I think we're still anxiously waiting to see what the, the, the round three tee times are going to look like. Some suspicion earlier on that we could be getting a two tee start. Heaven forbid, who knows, a shotgun start. Maybe not. <laughs> Worst case scenario. Quite a few big name players, gentlemen, <laughs> have either already left or have arrived home in the United States. I, I'm stunned by the sheer volume of players who've missed the cut. Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Justin Rose has missed the cut. Alex, there's just so many of them that aren't around for the weekend. Some of the big name contenders that, that we were, I guess, banking on to be here. Are you surprised by that? Well, of course, uh, just the, the Justins mainly. Rose was someone that uh, just two weeks ago was on my betting slip to, to back, had a few pennies on him, and then I just took him off because his form has just gone like that. Justin Rose, uh, sorry, Justin Thomas, I'll let you talk about because you wrote about him beautifully today. Oh, thank you. DJ, what, did he have an 82 today or something? Yeah. Like, I mean, that guy knows how to shoot an 82 in a major, so it's not really a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but he would have appreciated a shotgun start tomorrow. <laughs> Who else is going home? I'm flicking through the leaderboard here. Who else is going home? Tony Finau. Colin Morikawa is a big surprise, yeah. isn't it? We sort of said last year that the added pressure of being a defending champion at the Open or any major is uh, obviously that little bit of something extra that some people that aren't called Tiger Woods or Podrick Harrington can, can do at this tournament. I was really surprised by him. He was the, everyone said in the run up to this to Hoylake, you know, this is a iron players golf course and there aren't many better iron players than Colin Morikawa. So it's a big surprise in that sense. But yeah, Justin Thomas just doesn't look like himself, does he? He doesn't. Uh, you're right. I wrote about him today. It was funny. I'm, I'm quite pleased that he, he stopped, he spoke and we're able to get a bit of an insight into just how he is, how he's feeling, how he's he's coping with what is, in relative terms, a slump. Now, don't get me wrong, there's been some really good results in there. There's frankly been some really good scores in there as well. I think a, a 62 at the, the Travellers would it have been. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's, he's capable, as we know, clearly of producing good numbers, but he's also producing them. The problem is that he's sprinkling them with high 70s and the occasional plus 80 as well. The putting's clearly, clearly an issue. He's almost dead last in the PGA Tour in terms of strokes gain putting. But the other parts aren't particularly good either. You know, off the tee, his driving accuracy is around about the worst in the PGA Tour as well. Approach the green, his greens and regulation. None of his stats make particularly good reading. The putting's the headline, but it's by no means the, the only issue. That said, to bounce back from... You know, failing to break 80 yesterday to, to shoot uh, a level par round today, 
he wasn't good spirits, really. I, and I don't know if that was just him trying to put a brave face on things, Sean, or or if that's how he really feels, that you know he believes he's not that far away from contending again. Yeah, and what's funny is that I, I mean, I've been following JT all year for various assignments, and when he was playing frustrating golf, according to him, in February and March, there were a lot of T25 finishes, T22, T29, and that looked like his floor, right? He's like, I'm playing great golf right now. I just cannot score. That's as low as I'm going to be, uh, and that floor has gone down, and so for any normal human uh, who hasn't won at every single level of the game, you'd think, holy cow, that slump should freak him out. But he was really optimistic today. I was, I was a bit surprised at that. He at least had the 24 hours or so to digest what he did yesterday, uh, finishing with a quadruple bogey nine. But I, I was looking at the, I was in there behind you asking these questions, but I was looking at the press conference uh, transcript and he actually finished a lot of his answers with, I'll be fine, I'll be good, I'll be better for it. So he seems very committed to understanding this is a valley. This is a, a trough that I am going to move through. Don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to get through it. And Zach Johnson talked about it in his press conference today. Rory McIlroy talked about it. They're rooming, about, actually, this week, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're living together. The roommates, they call each other. That's obviously the American term. Sharing a house is yeah. what we would say here, Alex. <laughs> I love the idea of Zach Johnson and Justin Thomas in bunk beds. <laughs> uh, we asked Rory about it, too. And yeah. everyone yeah. agrees that Justin is too good to let this become a very big thing. It's up to him to prove it. You know, he is one of the hardest workers. I think it, it is a certainly, it's a different test than other valleys because Justin's entire life has always been golf from day one. He, he chose his colleges based off of golf. He chose when to, to turn pro based off of when he would have the most success and he's had success at every single step. So how does he like lead a healthy, balanced lifestyle when the golf suddenly gets not good? It's certainly interesting things happening up top, but he sounds optimistic, and so now he's going to Minnesota to play an event he's never played before. Yeah, next week is it 3M Open. He, he, he sounds to me, this is maybe a bit cynical, he sounded to me like a guy that's been told, you are going to the Ryder Cup regardless. Mm. Like, he has been assured of a pick. Mm. I mean, Zach Johnson wasn't asked that question outright, but he did heavily hint at that when he was saying, look, experience matters. He also said that pairings matter. Well, clearly, Jordan mm -hmm. Spieth and Justin Thomas being a great partnership. You look at Justin Thomas's recent record, his recent form, it's hard to justify picking him. But then you look at his form for the US and match play events overall, and I'm going to fold in the President's Cup here. What is it? 16 and a half, 17 and a half points out of a possible yeah. 24. <laughs> That's not a guy that you can just say, you know what, you've had a shit couple of months, yeah. you're not coming. Yeah. So, I don't know, what's, what's the sense in America? Do you well, think he's going to be on the team? I, th I think he is going to be on the team because of a few things you said. Six captain's picks is a lot of captain's picks. Mm -hmm. You feel like you can nail five of them and you can have kind of a wild card that you really trust, Justin. The other thing that I always say, on honestly, when I speak about the European team, is that you don't need to play five matches. You don't need to play four matches. Generally, the minimum is three, but you can you can play just two if you'd like. You can play just one if you'd like. Because uh, we'll have you pumped by Saturday night. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, but I, I mostly that was categorical. I mostly speak about it in terms of just depth. Is you can have 
you can have a less deep team yeah. and still keep someone that you think has great experience, will be a great leader. Justin has been a, uh, one of the few American members that is a part of a like the Ryder Cup committee. Him and Jordan Spieth are part of the Ryder Cup committee with members of the PGA of America. Like They help take part in decisions about scheduling, uh, uniforms. Like Justin's deeply involved with this team. I think um, it would just... It would take, I think, really deeply disappointing performances this week, obviously, which has happened next week, the 3M Open. And if that happens, I think Justin will show up in North Carolina at the Wyndham Championship Mm -hmm. and try to prove it one more time because another opportunity is just another chance to say, hey, no, I'm turning this thing around. Probably helps when you invite the, I presume, you invite the captain to stay in your house. It's like, (laughs) you got your arrangements sorted for Hoyleck? Oh, I got you. (laughs) Yeah, I'll pay for it. (laughs) Alex, I want to look quickly at the leaderboard before we wrap up. So we've talked about Harmon being out in front by five from Tommy Fleetwood. Then one back, we've got Sepp Straka. You go back to then three under, Minwoo Lee, Shibankar Sharma and Jason Day. On two under presently, we've got Adrian Otegi, Emiliano Grillo, Jordan Spieth and Cameron Young. I'm going to say something that I hope doesn't sound immensely disrespectful. Does it feel that this leaderboard is maybe just lacking a little sprinkling of star power? Considering it's, all the guys that have missed the cut and so It's on. certainly not disrespectful. You're saying something that thousands of people around the country watching golf right now are <laughs> thinking. I mean, the RNA are probably absolutely buzzing because it's incredibly global. Yeah, <laughs> sure, that's a good point. Leaderboard. And also, in terms of England, it's great for us mm-hmm. as well because what we say, I mean, we keep saying it, but England has not won the Open since Mr. Faldo. You're right, though, there isn't a lot of star quality. Uh, we're talking of England, we've got Mr. Uh, Matthew Southgate at tied 11th. Oh, who I yes. Pick, who I picked up at 300 to 1, I might add. Am I allowed to talk about gambling on this? Why it's not? naughty, isn't it? It's only gamble responsibility, uh, responsibly, it's only a couple of quid. Get over it. <laughs> um, when the fun stops, stop. I, I quite like it when the leaderboard's like this. I quite like it when it's... I, I prefer it to this than I appreciate that Harmon is currently running away with it, although that's going to end tomorrow for all the reasons Sean said. But when, when someone that you know is going to go on and win the tournament, like a Tiger Woods, for example, it's phenomenal to watch. And when Tiger was doing it, it was different because we were watching something incredibly special. But it does uh, that to me is more boring than having this wonderful eclectic of players who, I mean, any one of that top 10 could win this weekend. Harmon could shoot 79 tomorrow. Any one of those guys could go on and win. Now, I'm not saying, and this is no disrespect to Adrian Otegi, <laughs> I'm not saying he's going to win. I'm not going to say I don't want him to win. Wouldn't be the sexiest open champion. But, I mean, if he wins, my God, fair play to him. For me, my man, Jordan, I just got a bit frustrating today, a bit annoying to watch him. Yeah, just a level par round for him. I followed him I followed him for a couple of holes, but I had to stop because some idiot kept shouting, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. Oh, gosh. Because he's <laughs> bought into Leeds United Football Club, so that was a bit frustrating. But that sort of felt like a really long-winded way of agreeing with your point. <laughs> you know what's good about this, though? <laughs> Is given the forecast we have for tomorrow... A round of 69 is going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. That sure is that going is. to launch you up the leaderboard. And someone's going to have it. 
Like that's that's kind of how it goes with these crazy weather days. Someone is going to shoot three under par tomorrow, one under par, and it's going to creep up. It could be Jason Day. Mm. And, and his story, his return to glory has been fantastic. If he gets to four under and sits there and just lets Brian Harmon think about it, it just it makes things super interesting. Tommy Fleetwood, like I said, fantastic ball striker. Finno, his caddy, loves when the wind is up, loves when the conditions get tough because he thinks Tommy plays well in those conditions. So, I mean, we are, we are just at halfway. I love talking about golf tournaments as if they are basketball games or American football games where there are four quarters. We are through two quarters. We're at half, we're at halftime where everyone goes into the locker room, pauses and thinks, okay, we got to do that again. Um, <laughs> we are barely at the halfway mark and sure, Harmon's doing his thing, but I just feel like uh, everyone in this room is certainly a bit in disbelief that he'll, he'll continue. Yeah, as it stands then, let's, let's do it. Let's just go for it, pick a name. Who, at the 36 hole stage, who's going to be holding the Claret Jug 40 hours from now? It's going to be Tommy, and it's going to consume all of Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> there'll be people running up to the Tommy Fleawood. I, I think Funnel would consume all yeah. of Liverpool if he won it. <laughs> yeah, do you think they would put a statue of him next to the Beatles statue down on the docks? Maybe. You have to. I think yeah. so. You have to. Uh, I, I think it's going to be Tommy, and gosh, it, people will be racing up to Southport to open the pubs keep the pubs open yeah. forever like it would be uh it would be pretty special and i just feel like today's was super important toughest conditions he's he's had of the two days and still a level par today is massive alex who's your man i desperately want it to be tommy obviously i'm not going to jinx him by backing him i backed as an outsider minwoo lee on this podcast last week Tied fourth at the moment, three under par after a three under par today. Do I want to back, do I want to jinx him because I've backed him? Yeah, go on. Minwoo Lee. I, I just like it. He's an incredibly, he's, he's like the anti Brian Harmon. He's incredibly I think that's, fun. I think that's right. In, incredibly chill. Yeah. Incredibly <laughs> entertaining. Exactly. He's got that little mustache that he just can't grow properly like he's, he's everything about him i absolutely love him he's like a man that's perennially preparing for movember isn't he it's just never gonna work I, I love both those shouts but for me i'm going to go with a different aussie i'm going to go with jason day four under today it went completely under the radar and there he is three under from the tournament tied fourth i think he's going to charge this weekend I really do. I want to just before we finish up make mention of a couple of other guys in the field though for very different reasons, maybe obscure reasons. The first one of those is a Scot, a fellow Scot of mine, Michael Stewart, who is one under and currently sitting in a tie for 11th. A two over par round today. Last night in the penultimate group, he gave himself an eagle putt at the last, signed for birdie in the end to get to three under. I've known Michael forever. He's played all of the local domestic tours in Scotland, the, the Tartan Tour, the Tartan Pro Tour, the Get Back to Golf Tour. He's grafted and grafted, former Walker Cupper in 2011, I think, at Royal Aberdeen. And here he is 12 years later, con you know, frankly contending in the Open. Minus one, I don't think it's too far back. Does he so, play out of Troon? He does, right? yes. Yeah, so, yeah. how, how many places in the Open qualify automatically for the following year? I think it's the top 10 top 10 in titles. That's something to target, isn't it? 100%. So. I'm sure he'll be... That, that's probably his 
his main target. The, the, the target he'll tell you is he wants to win the Claret Jug and, and why not but I'm, I'm sure in the back of his mind if you said to him you'll qualify for Royal Troon next year he would bite your hand off for it and the other guy I want to mention is second last on the leaderboard 155th of 156 golfers Adri Arnaus 10 over today 21 Whoa. over par for Whoa. the tournament and you know what I was standing waiting for Justin Thomas to come in and Adri turned up and took questions from Spanish media and stood there with him for a good wow. five, ten minutes. He must be hurting. How could you possibly not be hurting? But fair play to him for fronting up and, and We appreciate questions. that, members of, of the media. You know, like we, we have a hard time putting ourselves in these guys' shoes in the immediate aftermath of playing, you know, what is deeply disappointing golf. Um, that's why I think you and I spoke sympathetically about Justin Thomas because mm. he it's not facing the music, but it's facing the, the reality is that people care about what you've done and how you feel about it. And kind of uh, inter internalizing all those things actually isn't often the way forward. Getting it out there can help you move forward. Couldn't agree more. And on that note, Sean, thank you so much as always for your time. What a pleasure. <laughs> you've become a commute regular. <laughs> we'll have good. to get you in the payroll at this rate like we've done with Alex. I appreciate it. The eyes guys. lit up there. Did you see that? The <laughs> eyes lit up immediately. Enjoy the rest of the, the championship, Sean, and we'll, we'll see you in Wales or Ireland or, or Troon Sometime next, next year, year, no doubt. Alex, thank you to you for your time as well. Much appreciated as always. Make sure you stay tuned to Bunker.co.uk over the weekend. We'll be updating it with all of the latest news. We didn't even touch the Just Stop oil protest there, but probably for the best. They tried, they failed, off they go. And make sure you stay across social media too. We're on all the usual channels. A huge weekend lies in prospect, ladies and gents. I think it's going to be pretty good. Until tomorrow, bye-bye for now.